Woe to you, said Jesus. We really need to sit up when we hear Jesus either say, very truly I say, because he's going to say something really important, or woe to you. Jesus spoke of the role of the prophet on a couple of occasions. He said of himself in Luke 4.24 that a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. He had at that time just read from the scroll of Isaiah and claimed that he fulfilled that prophecy. The crowd was so angered by these and other remarks that they take him to a cliff to throw him off. He escapes but proclaims that he will have no honour in his hometown. People don't like prophets who tell them what God is thinking. We see it all over scripture. Balaam and Balak, the trepidation of Isaiah and Jeremiah when they are called, and the terrible treatment of Jeremiah when he delivered his message to Israel. In fact, Jesus told a parable of the vineyard where all sorts of people are sent by the landlord and they are killed by the tenants. These were the prophets. Eventually, The landlord sends his own son, who is also killed. But they, in their greed, the tenants, lose everything and incur the wrath of the landlord. A thinly veiled parable of our existence under God. The vineyard workers should have listened to the prophets when they were sent. God knew that the prophets and the apostles would meet opposition and face danger. But it did not stop him sending them and does not stop him sending them now with his word for his people. Jesus has a particular concern for those who should know better. Verse 52, woe uh, woe to you experts in the law because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who are entering. We looked on Sunday evening at the example of Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night time. He was afraid that he might be seen, which is why he came in the dark. He was told that he needed to be born again to see the kingdom and born of the water and spirit to enter the kingdom. He was a Pharisee. He was on the council. He was a teacher of the law. He should know about Jesus, the Messiah, who was in his mission and his message. But Nicodemus misunderstands. Jesus rails against those teachers who not only get it wrong, but actively mislead others, who take away the key to knowledge. At morning prayer on Tuesday, we read Psalm 106, which includes these verses. A craving seized them in the wilderness and they put God to the test in the desert. He gave them their desires but sent a leanness of soul among them. So much of secular teaching that now seeps into the church as well is about meeting our cravings. You be you, do what you want, it's your right, choose your own destiny, self-identity, etc., Jesus' opening words in the Gospel of Mark, the first recorded sayings of Jesus, is repent. 
for the kingdom of God is near. Not run to your cravings and earthly desires, but turn away from them towards God and his good and perfect will. In fact, there are occasions in the Bible where God gives people what they want and they soon discover it's not what they needed. Jesus' message to the experts in the law was that firstly that they take away the key to knowledge of God, that secondly they will not enter the kingdom, and thirdly that they're stopping others from entering the kingdom too. These are serious accusations. There is truth and there is false teaching. We seek the truth, but that which is not truth is false. Verse 53, when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions. How are we, when we hear the word of God, do we oppose it fiercely if it's challenging to us? Is that teaching of the real Jesus, not the one that we would make up who agrees with everything that we say, Would we besiege him with questions or in fact do we just ignore him and filter out the things we don't want to hear? Do we wait to catch Jesus out when we hear the gospel or do we, like Mary, sit at the feet of the teacher? Paul emphasises these points for the Roman church in our other reading. In verse 20, just before the reading, Paul has said that we are not made righteous, that is right with God, by the law, as the Jews have been led to believe, and especially the Pharisees, but that the law does show us our sin. It shines a light on our separation from God. And so in verse 21, it goes on, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. If the law points to sin being not right with God, then something else, something other than the law, apart from the law, must point to righteousness. And for Paul, that thing or person is testified to, pointed to by the law and the prophets. And that is, of course, Jesus and his commands. Do you remember what Jesus said when asked what was the greatest commandment? In fact, we've had it in this service today already. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. The law, and we're told that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the law and the prophets are all wrapped up in two commands. Love God, love each other. That is being right with God. Love God, love your neighbour. Oh, and obey his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So how does this come about? So verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ uh, to all who believe. Faith in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. But which Jesus? How do we know the him to believe in? It's the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus testified to by the Holy Spirit. So is this special knowledge 
the Greek word is gnosis, from which we get Gnosticism, which was a heresy which surrounded the church in its first few hundred years. No, it's not a special knowledge. Paul goes on to say there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There is nothing special about you if you have faith. Give yourself. It is available to all. Jew meant people of the promise, and Greek or Gentile meant a non-Jew. So if you take Jews and non-Jews, it is all of humanity. So with Paul talking about Jews and Gentiles, he means everyone. And we're justified by grace. We're brought into relationship by God's own unearned work. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to make it better or bigger. And we're redeemed through Jesus. We're taken out of our slavery to sin and made free by Jesus. How does he do that? Paul says in verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. His death on the cross is how we receive this redemption. Paul goes on in verse 27. Where then is boasting? It's excluded because of what law? The law that requires works. So can I boast I am chosen, a people of the promise, a Jew, an Englishman, a white man, an American, a fill in your own blank. The law was given to the Jew, the empire to the Englishman, the slavery to the white man, might and globalisation to America. None are justified by any of these things. None are worthy to boast. Paul goes on, no, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith, Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Only faith in Jesus. Nothing brings us to God other than faith in Jesus Christ. Not our cravings, not our desires, not the colour of our skin, not the inheritance of our ancestors, not money or power, but faith. And don't let anyone tell you differently. Make sure that the Jesus they speak of is the one that we find in here and believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for scripture and we thank you especially for the challenging bits the ones that maybe we would prefer not to read, the ones that make us realise just how dependent upon you that we are. Open our hearts to recognise that all fall short of the glory of God, but also that your reward, your offer, your gift to us is your glory. And that as your son was glorified, 
you offer us glory too. In this life, to walk with you and in the life to come. As your son was resurrected, we too will be resurrected to the glory of the new creation. Father, we come before you and give thanks for those things today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, as is our custom, we can respond to that word by affirming that faith that we just spoke of. So again, if you're able, please stand.